1: mobile
2: banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices message and data rates may apply bank of america and a member fdsc today's podcast is brought to you by audible get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com backslash ahtt over one hundred eighty thousand titles to choose from for your iphone android kindle or mp3 player hard to tell podcast episode 119 dexter henry brian fonseca we got some friends with us all quarantining uh from home got uh my man from the bros pod writer for the undefeated jamal murphy jamal what's up man what up what up glad
1: to be here again
2: and we got our other good friend uh from the seven footers pod also can find some of his work writing on bet.com my man gerard hector gerard what's up man
0: Listen, man, I'm just out here. It's happy to be on with y'all. Happy to see my boys on this podcast. It's nice to see y'all. Just trying to stay alive out here, in these Rona streets, man. Yes, sir. Should we
3: resume our off-mic conversation that we were having to start this um, podcast or no? Definitely no, not. Definitely not. <laughs> Let's definitely just, uh, for, not. The,
2: for the <laughs> listeners I would, and the viewers, I would just say Brian was being all kinds of ridiculous um uh, and,
0: and inappropriate. Inappropriate.
2: He wasn't being violent, although we did learn that in his previous uh parts of his life he has thrown some things uh, while playing video games, which if you listen to this podcast should shock nobody.
3: I was on an, I was on another podcast this week and the way I started the podcast when they asked me how I was doing was like, Look, man, I'm good. A man only needs three things during these quarantine times. Oh, Lord. Uh, oh Food. Lord. What what? Y'all are y'all are... <laughs> oh, Lord. this isn't
2: gonna end oh, well. What? Nothing about this will end well.
3: It's just food, food. video games, and lotion. You know what I'm saying? That's it. That's it. Like, like. (laughs) So we good out here. (laughs) Wow. Wow. Okay. Look, a lot of people. A lot of people are stressed out during these times. A lot of people are actually watching press conferences. And not living in the bubble like they should be at this point in their lives. Because honestly, this is the, old, we're never gonna get this time again. We're never gonna be allowed to live in a bubble and not work. It's like we're all in high school. You know what I'm saying? We're trapped in the crib. So people just gotta embrace it. So, you know, food, video games, and lotion. That's it. Yeah, Everybody you, got Netflix, yeah, baby.
2: Yeah, you strike me as a person that's really embracing that lotion.
3: No, nah, no, nah, I'm good. I'm, I'm way. No, no, no. I'm good, son. I'm good. I'm saying, dudes need it because you know the amount of times you're washing your hands. Now everybody's hands get dry. Hey, shut you up.
2: Got hey, Shut up. Put that is not what you're talking day. about. You know what I'm saying? Yes, All right. We are we, yes. are, we are, we are moving on. We, as usual, another ridiculous start to this podcast. We are moving on. The reason we have gathered our friends here today, we wanted to talk about a documentary that recently came out on HBO. The scheme, and I thought for two good reasons, we got uh, Jamal and Gerard for this. Uh, one, for people who don't know, the scheme is kind of about the FBI investigation, and I'll put investigation in air <laughs> quotes, um, yeah. into NCAA and players getting paid and coaches taking money to play players and all that kind of stuff, and how it centers uh, around one central character, which we'll get to um, in this. We all watch this, um I'm going to start first with reactions because I'm very intrigued to what everybody thought about it. Specifically, I really was intrigued to what Murph, and I talked a little bit about Murph about this before we started this because Murph has wrote about this. He's spoken about this. Uh, He was in season three of the Sports Walk talking about this very issue in college basketball and some of the fraudulent behavior. And it's not about players taking money. It's about the scam of the NCAA. What did you guys think about the scheme uh, overall, Brian. I know you got some thoughts, but Jamal, I'm gonna kick it off with you first. What 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 did you think about this documentary when you watched
1: it? Uh, I mean, first and foremost, I thought it was it was necessary that people got you know a point of view that was different from you know the powers that be, whether it's the NCAA or the federal government. Um, so I thought it was it was necessary. I thought you know not everybody would be paying attention to you know, the nuts and bolts of the case, when it was going on, um, you know, if you had, you know, not everybody likes to read, um, you know, reactions to it. So it was I was glad that it, it came on TV to where pe- you know, someone could show exactly what was going on and what, what the FBI was doing and, and what the end result was. Um I thought there was some good information on there. I do I do value uh Christian Dawkins uh you know, his opinion on it. I mean so he was he was one of the major players uh in the in the investigation on the wrong end of it for sure. Um and the all the all of the uh, wiretaps that came out, I thought was very it was very important that people were able to hear that for themselves and see how corrupt these uh NCAA coaches are, um and how you know, and how they give you one face in, in front of the camera in press conferences. And what they're doing on the phone in order to get uh, big time talent is a totally different thing. So I, I thought it was a I thought it was great that HBO had this on and we were able to see inside a little bit. Was it the greatest documentary ever? No. Um, you know, did, maybe it was a little, you know, Christian Dawkins kind of kind of embraced it a little too much as being a star and trying to be funny and all that kind of stuff. So I get some of the criticism of it. But overall, I think it was it was a good thing. Cool. Gerard, what, 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 what are your thoughts on the doc? I know
2: you've spoken to uh, the director and some of the Mm -hmm. creators, people behind this, um, which is why we have you on here to talk about this. But what, what did you think about it?
0: So, you know, it's something that we had alluded to when we had off mic, when we started um, our conversation and, you know, um, Dexter, you threw out the, Murph, you threw out the phrase, this is America. Right. And I think in that case, you got an encapsulation in a small way, who and what we are as a nation and as a country, right? The federal government initially decided that they were going to go after the institution that is college basketball, right? Because of the corruption and underhandedness that goes on in college basketball, right? And those are words that I don't use, that's words that their media machine uses, right? And their media machine includes the NCAA themselves, and there's sycophants in the media, some of our colleagues who champion whatever it is that they do as like everything being upholding and right and supporting this system, system of amateurism when nothing can be further from the truth, right? This is a multi billion dollar organization and the labor is largely black and largely poor, right? Or from lesser means, yet they're not able to get paid. And what happened was they zeroed in on, okay, we're gonna try to take these coaches down. We're gonna, remember the, 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 District attorney from the Southern District said, we have your playbook, right? And they were coming after them. We're going to take down this system. You mean to tell me Christian Dawkins is the system that is wrong with college? him. This one dude is what's wrong with all of college basketball. Come on, man. What we saw was their inability to get the top guys. And I have theories as to why that is. And I'm sure we'll get into that a little bit later. So they couldn't get to the top guys. Dawkins wouldn't roll on anybody, and they said, well, okay. Then plea out, whatever. He didn't want to plea out. He decided, "He no, I, it's my right. If you charge me with something, I have a right to go to trial. And what this country does, historically, and this criminal justice system does, if you dare have the audacity to fight your own case, which is your right, oh, well, we're going to punish you now, right? <laughs> Homies going, to, is sentenced to jail for 18 months for what? Paying a basketball player? How do you think they go to these schools? Let's keep it 100. How do you think Roy Williams, Coach Shashevsky, Sean Miller, Rick Pitino, how do they get these guys versus their other, their other squads? It ain't because I love Duke or I love Carolina or the Brotherhood or whatever nonsense these people say. It ain't that. What are, the, what are the benefits I'm getting on the back end to get me in here? And Christian Dawkins is someone who recognized, yo, this is the American dream. I see an avenue for myself and a lane. I can help these guys get to this place. And as a result, I'm going to get paid off of it. The problem is they only want certain people getting paid off that, not people like Christian Dawkins.
2: Yeah, for people who don't know Christian Dawkins, uh, interesting character. I'm, f- I'm forgetting the town. What's the town he's from in Michigan, guys? What town is he from? Saginaw. Saginaw, Saginaw right? He's from Saginaw, Michigan. Uh, his dad, his dad <clears throat> <Saginaw> coached the, <throat> the high school team there. Draymond Green was on that team. <clears throat> um, he basically as look, this guy's kind of like an entrepreneur in a way in, in, in this, in this documentary, he's, he's exactly an entrepreneur. He is an entrepreneur. He, is. he funded, uh, he got a shoe deal for his AAU team. He really built that up. He got into the agency world, was connected with Andy Miller. There were some issues there for, I don't want to ruin things for people who haven't seen the documentary that you can see there. And then he was trying to get into the world of college basketball and really start his own agency and build his own name by getting players to coaches. Right? So in my eyes, looking at, looking at this, this was a dude who was trying to make his moves into this world, but the system was trying to take him down. Brian, I know we know you have some issues with with the film, with the documentary. You, you, you wildin', Brian. Here you go. Well, just
3: just only only as a documentary, only as a documentary itself. Like in terms of the story, I agree. These are things that needs to be told, and it's the reason I watched it. You know, I'm I wanted to see you know what was going on in this case. Why did it disappear? What happened after they played the wiretaps and all these sort of things? And then when I watch the scheme, it's like a Christian Dawkins infomercial, which is cool, I guess. But also, it's like it, it's it's 120 minutes, and I would probably say roughly half of that are Christian Dawkins interviews.
2: How I don't think like, like come no, on, son. No.
3: I want to know. I want to know more about the actual problem here, right? and well, the actual yeah. problem, the actual problem being the NCAA and why you know that part of it and really it's just a Christian Dawkins infomercial do you, if get, you really do boil you give, it down to do that
2: do you give any and I'm going to let Gerard come in on this one do you give cuz he's the one who spoke to people who worked on this do you give any bit of lax or sort of leeway to the people who worked on this because all they really had to go off with this was mostly Christian Dawkins his then lawyer and don't make it his 2 family. hours
3: then don't make it two yeah, hours. So, yeah. For me, is, is, like is it, it should have it been a 90-minute film or even 60 minutes if it's just gonna be mostly Christian Dawkins and his lawyer, the lawyer that was also interviewed heavily in that.
0: Right. Well, as as, as you guys know- like, If you so don't, don't right. have
3: enough perspectives, you can't make that long of a piece, period.
0: We're, we're all creatives here, right? And if we're doing a story or any kind of piece, we try to get as many divergent opinions on the situation as we can and as will allow in the format that we're creating. One of the challenges is with filmmaking is, right, it's it's part ideology from the beginning, right, and the director's ideology. And when I talked to the director, Pat, he had said to me, you know, I came in being like, you know, I was a college basketball fan, and I knew there was corruption going on, but I just, it's just par for the course. You know, Pat told me, because he, he had met with Christian, and I think what happened to him was he, like everybody else, and this goes back to something you said, Dexter, was enamored by Christian. You have to think about this in the sense that, this is a dude who literally, and here's the thing. If you can't leverage the relationships you have in your life, well then what are they, what are they for? Right, like right from a business standpoint. And that's what he did. He's like, wait a minute. I have all these connections to all these prep school kids, and people want to know about them. Well, what the hell? I I gotta figure out a way. But and it's not a situation where he's robbing the players or taking their money, it's oh. They want to go to this school? Cool. Well, it's going to cost this amount of money You got because their aunt's got to pay light bills. They got this, right? Because, again, a lot of these players come from uh, economically disadvantaged positions. And while I'm doing that, I'm going to get hooked up as part of the process. You make billions of dollars, it's cool. On the creative side, though, Brian, I hear your point. But when you only have that to go from and you don't have the FBI ball on the play ball, you don't have any of the schools well on the play ball, you don't have anybody else who's on the other side who wants to talk. All you have is Christian Dawkins, right? That's the bulk of your of your film, and so then it becomes this idea where it's like, hey, this is all about Christian Dawkins. But I think what that highlights, and the way I look at it, is, is that you realize what a farce it is. You're trying to tell me this, and I, this is not a, a of film. You're trying to tell me this guy, this is the problem with all of college basketball. This right. one dude who had five players, him, he's the dude that's in charge of all this. Come on, man,
3: stop. Well, then, I think then- that unless you're doing, like, for example, if you're writing a story and you've been assigned to do, I don't know, a 4,000-word feature, uh, not a 4,000-word feature, rather, a 4,000-word just story about this, and you're getting all these sources and things like that. If a lot of people aren't willing to play ball with you, and what you mostly have is Christian Dawkins, then if you're going to turn that into a Christian Dawkins profile, it's pro- your editor's probably going to tell you, all right, instead of making this 4,000 words, it'll be 3,000 or 2,500. That's just the way things go, yeah.
2: But, but see, but so, I, I think, but the I, I difference is a different
3: medium, though. yeah. The video
2: is a different medium, and I agree with that. Um, I'm Gerard, I'm sorry to cut you no, off. But in two
0: hours, though, yeah.
2: I think the time's a fair point. The mom but...
3: crying in the, in the letter at the end was like, <laughs> how much? What you know what I mean? What
0: we're tapping into right now is emotions, and Brian doesn't really like emotions
3: like that. Like, no, know, like, <laughs> it's anger. No, no, like, uh, no but what uh, I'm uh, saying uh, is that uh, uh, but, but, uh, but, uh, fundamentally, uh, but fundamentally, but uh, fundamentally, what what does that have to do with the NCAA's case? But
2: it did, but it, but, what does but, that but, have but, to do but
3: about but with the FBI I, investigation? I
2: actually didn't have a problem with that letter at the end and what it did, and I liked where they placed it, oh, actually. I thought God. the direction was nice because it showed the mindset that Christian Dawkins had from the jump about Dog. all this, and it spoke know, to who whatever. he was trying to be, which, which, which I agree with Gerard. Shows more of why it's a force, farce. But let's talk to somebody who
3: actually. No, I don't... know. I know what's actually going on here. Let's. I know what's actually oh, going you? on here. Oh, yes, okay. yes, yes. I and I respected you guys are supporting the young black entrepreneur. Oh, no, who, no, know, has, no. Uh, yeah, I get no, it. No, I, no, I understand. No, no, no,
2: I understand. No no, wow. no, 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 no. Well, <laughs> and you know, you know. What? First of all, I'm actually. I'm gonna push back a little bit on that because I'm gonna say. I'm not even going to be ashamed of that. Yeah, you know what? I'm proud of that, brother, for for, yeah, for being an entrepreneur and giving, giving a big fuck you to the NCAA. I got no problem with that. Yeah, however, if it was
3: Christian Diaz, I might be hyped too.
2: However, <laughs> no, no, no. If it was a Diaz, I'd be hyped for him too. I'm I'm down with anybody giving an FU to the NCAA yes, right now. Right. At Look, that point, that's for, where first I am. Thing,
3: and, and let me let me make that clear too, because my issue is not with Christian Dawkins. My issue is just the film itself. The piece was, of art. Your issues from a statistical yes, standpoint. Because yes, because I I, I I I wanted more of an NCAA versus FBI, the wiretaps, and that. And you I to get that because nobody was going to talk though. We, we,
0: and by the way, we ain't never gonna get that. And you know there. So uh, call,
3: so instead of calling it so instead of calling it the scheme colon whatever, call it the scheme colon the Christian Dawkins story or some shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, let's uh, like, well let's
2: well let's ask somebody who actually wrote a story in Jamal who is here. Jamal, you wrote a story last year, and you and I spoke a lot about this. Uh, it was on undefeated black assistant coaches were scapegoats in the NCAA recruiting trials. And I feel like that's one of the things that is absolutely highlighted through this piece. You see how the black coaches really are the scapegoats. They are the ones that are kind of used to bring these players to the head coaches, mainly mainly in uh, college basketball, which are white, um, as as we see. And they're the ones that take the fall. In the situation of Christian Dawkins, he's talking with a lot of these coaches because he's got that connection. And... They bring these players in, but these guys are the ones that took the fall. Meanwhile, some of the white players that we saw in this, and I will say this for the people who could even watch the documentary, they got off real easy here, okay? They got off real easy. How big of a problem is this, Jamal? You've covered this. You've went in this world. You were a college basketball guru. How big of a problem is this?
1: Oh, it's a huge problem. I mean, and that was one of the things that stood out the most to me was the way – you know the the, NCAA, the NCAA's role in this um, was the position that they put black coaches in. Well, to me, one of the one of the, when I was researching uh, the uh, you know the article I did was you know look I went to the to the NCAA database and tried to see how many uh, coaches of color there were. And when I first started to do that, I was expecting to see something like you know there aren't that many. E- there, there really aren't that many uh, black assistant coaches even as much as there should be. But what I found was that there are actually plenty of, of black assistant coaches. I think it was like 56% of assistant coaches in Power 5 conferences were black as far as basketball is concerned. Um, so the real problem was when you looked at the head coaches, only 17% of head coaches were black. So they, they have no problem uh, you know, hiring uh, black coaches to do the recruiting, to do the, to do this all this dirty work, this illegal work,
3: to go into for, the neighborhoods that they here. don't want to go into, to be the that's fall good guy. Kind of, that's a point. That's so,
1: point there. So, in a way, you know, they're hiring all these all these ex black uh, basketball players to be assistant coaches, really just to be the fall guy in situations like this. Because everybody knows what's going on. All these head coaches, as we know from the wiretaps, either are playing an active role, like the one, like, like who we saw in the wiretaps, or Will Wade. Well, um, Sean Miller. Sean Miller. You know, Miller, yeah. Yeah, they're actively playing a role in this and actively talking about money. And then there are others uh, who were who not caught out there, but they all know who, what's going on. Patino, you know, they all know that these kids are getting paid from somebody. You know there's no way they don't know that's that if we know that so to me that was the the big issue is is that you know these coaches are basically they they go in as scapegoats you know their hmm. job is to do the the dirty illegal work, and they have almost you know just a very small chance at really getting to where any assistant coach when you're an assistant coach what's your what's your uh goal in life yeah coach a head coach, uh, be a head coach. Oh. and that that is unlikely to happen. And they're just really used to bring in the talent by whatever means necessary. Um, and then when she hits the fan, it's gonna be them who pays, and that and that and those white head coaches are gonna be fine. I wanna I wanna I wanna continue on that,
2: Jamal, because you talked about the white head coaches being fine. The only coach that was implicated in all this, I believe, was Rick Petino, right? And he had initially lost his job. Shh. But we kinda know that was I owners
3: Rick Petino. Yeah, now, and I'm getting to that.
2: We know that he. this is kind of a culmination of things with him and all the right. stuff that happened in Louisville, right. right? So it wasn't really just about this. Right. Brian just right. mentioned he now has the head coaching job at Iona, which kind of proves that point, right? That, like, even if these coaches get hit on something, these
1: white coaches, they're going to be all right. And I guarantee you Christian Dawkins will never get – I mean, he wasn't an assistant coach to begin with, but Merle Code – who, who mm. you know who was a worked one-time assistant coach he worked for Adidas during this this time mm-hmm. he's, not gonna another, he's not going to get another he's not going to get another job in the industry no. the assistant no. coaches uh, who who did get caught up in four of them uh, pleaded guilty um they're not going to ever become uh coaches again um but meanwhile no. the head coaches who oversaw the whole program they will you know not only have they kept their job throughout all of this but you no know, even if they do if if even if they do pay a price at some point they're very likely, you know, five years down the line to get another chance. So, I mean, that's that's a big issue.
2: Uh, and Gerard, I know you saw this too in the piece. Uh, was uh, That was a Wade Miller. His his defiance, get and, and Christian Dawkins <laughs> talks about this, his defiance <laughs> in this was, to me, <laughs> the epitome of white privilege um, oh, in, in, in this and in the construct of NCAA in sports, right? And pretty much being like, Nah, y'all gonna. I'm still gonna work here. And I'm still gonna do this thing. What was your reaction to that? Because that that really infuriated
0: me. It was, you know, again. I mean, God, we've been knowing this has been going on forever. I was just kind of like, that sounds about right to your point, Dexter. I was like, yeah, wait out here. Like y'all ain't gonna fire me. Here's the big thing, right? That we have to remember about all of this in college athletics. Generally speaking, and it's usually the football coach, but whatever. For a state school, the head football or head basketball coach are either the number one and or number two highest paid state employees, right? Here's why that matters. Because they then have access and they are people who connect with certain levels of government. And, and this is where it's all connected with how the feds couldn't push this case forward, right? How many people at your level are L alums or LSU alums or whatever? and at the next level up at the federal and circuit level or also I was like now nah, we can't get our head coach fired how much uh-huh. you want to bet a call was made or several calls were made to people that matter inside the feds and we were like listen man you ain't going after Patino when these dudes you got to nah go ahead take this Christian Dawkins guy and that's the kind of clout and and uh-huh. power these universities and these headmen these universities have if they can pull the strings behind the scenes and then again, people like Dawkins are the fall guy, right? Because these, these these universities are not gonna—I don't even know what Wade makes. Probably two, three million dollars a year. Like, come on, they're not—they're not dumping him. It's just much easier to get these assistant coaches and to make it seem like, look, it's—it's it's these runners, right? Because runners is like this negative word hmm. we use. Yo, every agency needs someone who has relationships at the grassroots level. Andy Miller and. All these top flight agents aren't hanging out in Saginaw, Michigan, watching basketball tournaments. Like They're just not. They need someone who's got these relationships. Hey, you know this kid? Yeah. Uh, who's his people? All right. Yeah. They work with his family over here. All right. We think about where they're going. It's It's a funnel system, right? Mm-hmm. The money flows up top. It's how the rest of the world works, right? So this was no surprise to me. Again, this is a microcosm of the larger world. And generally speaking, it's white people who make out and who are afforded the luxuries and riches. And when we and people of color try to take the initiative and do things that they themselves do, oh no, you, and I'm going to use a, a word that I don't like using, nah, <laughs> this ain't for you, my guy. No, right. no, 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 no. no. Right. This ain't, nah, y'all ain't making this money, and now we're going to make a federal case out of it, and now it's it's the end of it's World War Twelve. And it's not that serious, but that's how, that's how we work in this world. That is- it's sad.
2: Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com backslash A-H-T-T. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Brian, were you um, shocked by anything? with this, you know, because I know you didn't like that it was a Christian Dawkins story, but was there anything in it? And I know how you feel about the NCAA, which is very similar to how we all feel here. Um, but what, was there anything in this documentary that shocked you at all?
3: No, not really. <laughs> like, like because if you, really, if you really think about it, I mean, everybody got off. The world keeps spinning regularly. You know, nobody gets fired. Uh, it, it's Rick Pitino just backpedals a lot. From Louisville to Iona, but really it wasn't even tied to that. That was because of the hooker shit. Right. I think so that even was because stuff, of the- stuff before
0: that. It's for Retino, it was a cumulative effect. Okay. It was the hookers. It was the other recruiting stuff. It was stuff in Kentucky. By, it was like
1: it was it, all you know. Having having sex and getting extorted. Extorted. Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> right, yeah. Right, right. I almost it forgot about
3: that. Because and by the way, that's not as bad as this. The hooker shit is whatever. Like if you're gonna get hookers for your for your players to recruit them, that's how you're gonna get them to go to your school. Honestly, I uh, had him on, on campus. They're yeah, on I mean, campus. that's the thing. Look, 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 if I'm a five At least star go to a strip club, God. Dang. Yeah. yeah, no, that's no, the thing. no, 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 no. I disagree. Bring him to campus because if I'm a five star recruit, <laughs> if I'm the 36 best best player on the ESPN 100, I have a visit to your school and you're bringing me hookers. I'm going to your school. Like that's how that. Except goes. that's not
2: how everyday campus life is. But I get your point. It's 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 no, not a bad no, sell. The, the, your yeah, point is you, it's not a bad wait, sell. You, I, I yeah, don't,
3: You you saw he got game, and you heard Jalen Rose talk about like, "Yo, yeah. if I didn't get any pussy when I went to school, I wasn't going there." You let know what I'm tell, saying?
1: Let me just tell future, you know, high school players, uh, you know, five-star, all-American high school players. You can do better than hookers, okay? Yeah, yeah, okay. agree. Agree. agree,
2: agree. Much I, 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 I'm kind of mad. I'm kind of mad that has to be said, but I'm, that's a good PSA. Agree. <laughs> so that's absolute, that's now, absolutely good PSA for sure.
3: Go ahead, bro. Right, right. But it's the thought that counts, right? You know what I mean? Like at the end of the day, it's the thought that counts. Like, look, here's what, here's how we want to treat you on the way. You know, give you the king's welcome. But yeah, there's no there's no surprises there. There's no surprises there's, with with Will Wade and with Rick. Like just just nobody really getting fired or nobody really getting any sort of discipline. Like there weren't any suspensions worth note, like none of that stuff and everything coming down on Christian Dawkins, Merle code, who you mentioned before Jamal also went to prison for a while, also went to jail. Um, you know what I mean? So there was, there was no surprises on that. And it's just a a level of disappointment, obviously, because it sort of came and went like the FBI getting involved. You would think that things would go much further. Right. But, Evidently, they stopped at some point, and we have no idea where this goes from here other than to think Nowhere. that, look, this is pro- yeah, this is probably going to be it f- until well, the next case, and then we'll see what happens from there. And I'm, also, I do not believe El chopper was upstairs from Christian Dawkins. I
1: don't. <laughs> well, yeah, who knows? <laughs> but I, I was the – NCAA, there will
3: be – Someone there, lied to him.
1: There will be things that happen as far as the NCAA is concerned. They will – they're going to jump on this. Um, you got – you know, Bill Self was a major player That's in this right. too. Yeah. Wasn't That's right. It Wasn't on the wiretaps, but um, you know they. So so people believe that Kansas will be on probation at some point next year. They might they might not be, a, you know, mm-hmm. be able to make the NCAA tournament. Um, NC State has already received something from the NCAA. Uh, I'm pretty sure LSU and Arizona will too. They'll so the NCAA, even though they're hypocritical in all this, and they've known this has been going on also, but they are going to, you know, at least try to save themselves. And and put you know a few schools on probation. Can they of, though?
2: Can they save Murph. themselves? Murph? No, they can't save <laughs> themselves. But they'll, they'll
0: <laughs> think that they are. Do you, right. wait? Wait. I actually Do you
2: guys
1: I'll, remember to... what's.
0: on, well, I was gonna about that probation thing. What was the joke? And I think Tarkanian said it. Is that whenever school X commits a violation, school Y and Z get put on probation? Like who who was who the joke? It's like whenever Kentucky like breaks the rules, like Western Kentucky gets put on like five years probation mm-hmm. or something like that. Like, like that's the idea. Yeah. right? It's like these big schools break rules literally left and right. Yeah, but They're never the ones who get actually punished, punished for real. You know,
3: so so we're hearing about just in general, the NBA draft at some point is supposed to allow high school kids to come back in, whether it's 2021, 2022, whatever the case may be. I don't know. But do we know, A, if that's actually going to have an impact on college basketball to where some of this stuff is not as prevalent because now kids can go or at least the elite kids can go into the draft? And it looks like the G League is trying to set up a a thing where players can go directly there. And just basically players that are 18 years old and are good seemingly are going to have options outside of just college basketball. And, and, and I'm wondering and how that's going to affect things because I'm trying to remember how did that affect college basketball between 1995 and 2005 when kids were coming out often?
2: Well, I mean, I want to say something to that. In that regard, I think what's interesting about that time was there still was this very um, anti-look at the kid coming out of high school. And, and for those of us, I think, you know, old enough, I was kind of middle school at the time to really be watching the draft there still was people were like no coming out of high school don't trust these kids kids were slipping I mean Kobe went 13th right Kevin Garnett
3: people were mad at at kids actually leaving college early too right Kevin Garnett
2: the year before what was Kevin Garnett picked fifth or sixth I I can't remember right fifth Mm -hmm. or sixth Jermaine O'Neal in that same draft as Kobe you know not picked there was not uh there was not this great thing it's kind of like how dare you do this how should you come out into the league and play so It's still kind of this resistance I think we're seeing now for, as we know, mostly black players taking agency of their careers and saying, no, I want to go here and want to go this way. And you have all this talk about, oh, it's going to hurt college basketball and this and that and all all this stuff where it's like, shouldn't you want these kids to get paid or be in the best place where they can hone their skills to be the best professionals they can be? But it seems that a lot of people don't care about that. And that kind of goes to Jamal's point where it's like, this is the NCAA just kind of showing face on this. And try to make look like they look good and care about these kids and student athletes. Well, we know damn well they don't care about these student athletes. We know this. Right. We, we, and there's, the, there's always, you there's know what's interesting
3: be, you mentioned that? A, I'm actually Googling right now the list of white basketball players who came out of high school, straight out of high school. That's a great I think, that's a great I think question. only Robert Swift might be there. I don't know who else actually. And he fell on some hard there, times.
1: There's always there's always gonna be there's always gonna be corruption in the NCAA even even if they decide to pay players because it's all relative so okay right. if if the NBA if the NBA opens the draft up to high school players again um, as long as there's money you know behind the NCAA tournament and and behind how well any school any school's team does there's going to be competition for the rest of the players so it's all relative mm-hmm. you know if if those 10 players go to the draft then we're, they're going to try to pay you know, and try to get those those the next twenty best players. They're going to try to get on their campus and as much money as it takes, they'll do it. So there's always going to be. It's not going to really affect college basketball. It might affect the the talent on the court, but it's not going to affect the race to get the best talent that you can.
0: Here's what I hope happens with the draft opening it back up to high school, with the start of the professional collegiate league, um, with the more and more players looking at going overseas. With what Darius Baisley did with taking that internship at New Balance, like what I want to eventually have happen is, like you said, mer I want the top, I, the top prep basketball talent to go these other avenues away from the NCAA, and I want and the G League, right? Like that, or that, that's a, an, another another avenue. I want them all to go to those other avenues and not the NCAA, and I want that next level of You know that next tier down, right? Those guys who might be pros, but we're not sure, right? Four stars, three stars, and stuff, right? They, remember the guys come out
1: might be pros. They don't. Well,
0: right, but 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 you're but you're less certain about that next tier, right? Like Mm. I want I want them to be the guys, and then I want to see if the play level starts dropping, and ratings may also start dropping. If I don't know, I wonder what then will happen in terms of the viewership, and the money when they re-up the deals and all that. Because, look, if their thing is we don't want to pay these players whatever, okay, then get a bunch of, like, people who don't ever want to play pro. Just play four years of college. Don't pay them. You can do your hang-on, Sloopy, your stuff in the in, in the Dean Dome, whatever. Knock yourself out for the love of the game. Cool. And you guys all rah-rah, do your love of the game, and don't worry about this excellent basketball being played everywhere else. Well,
2: right? see, like well, see that's, that's going to that's be... That's going to be interesting to hear. And, Brian, and I talk about this all the time. The folks who are always like, uh, college basketball is better than the NBA. If the level of college basketball talent declines, I'm very intrigued to see if people still make that argument, mm. which I've always said well, is absolutely the
1: level, The level has declined. It level, has. It, oh, I agree. It started already. You know, I agree. They're, they're, but, I mean, they're, they're showing, you know, classic games from the 80s. I just watched Georgetown and North Carolina championship game. You had I saw like that, too. Ben Worthy was a senior, for God's sakes. You know, Jordan and Ewing were in that game. You know what I'm saying? So if you don't you don't have that nowadays right. at all and 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 the brand is still you know relatively strong. So there is there is some truth to to the you know the the league that the, the NCAA has created. You know, I mean, like a lot of people do, you know, a lot more goes into it than just who is playing and the level of talent, you know, is regional. It's, it's, it's oh, who's going to win the Big East? Who's going to win and, the and Big 10? Yeah, uh, Alma mater. Then you have that you know, the excitement of the NCAA tournament, which no one can duplicate, you know, just the brackets and all that. All best players, because remember, it's just so-called. We, we right, just know we what they know. are in high school. You know, there's a, there are many kids who are not even top 100 players coming out of high school who have good college careers. And then, you know, Dame Lillard, people like that. You know, they and then go to the pros, become stars. So you can't – you know, it's not that simple. Right, but right. regardless yep. – you know of the ncaa talent and what the what the nba and the g league are doing the ncaa is going to have to pay these players because you're you're paying for the labor and the time and effort that they are putting in and we know it's getting closer and closer this should have been done how you know 50 years ago at least right, right but eventually they're not going to be able to to keep that dam in place for much longer, Murph. You, you know, I just want to blow up college athletics. That's really all yeah. I want
3: to do. Yeah, Yo, right? you know what? And, <laughs> and we're talking about we're talking about other <laughs> options that players could have and things of that nature. Another option that I saw—did you guys see this? Because I found this interesting. Lamelo Ball apparently bought the team that. that he played for in Australia, and I think what the thinking there is: maybe I can get other high school kids to take this route. If you have someone like LaMelo Ball who might be the first pick in the draft this summer or whenever the draft is going to be at this point, but if you have LaMelo Ball try to get kids to go that route, kind of like what Le- uh, with um, LaVar Ball tried to do with the JBA, but obviously it didn't really work to the degree that – People thought it would but if you try to get kids to go that route and then you're going to start to see more kids perhaps play overseas maybe buy the team they're on i mean Lamelo ball's got a little bit of a different situation because that family has money but you're starting i think you're going to start to see maybe a little bit of that too and kids are just going to, to figure out their own way to sort of do this for a year and then go on to the nba yeah or whatever the next time
1: remember that will only be you know a very select few who are going to be can be every year. You're only going to have about ten players who are really can, can no, be it's, ten players. It's true.
3: It's true. But at the end of the day, like teenagers are dick riders, and if one kid's going to do this here, then another kid's going to do this here, and then another kid's going to do this here, and then it's just going to spread. Doesn't mean but, it's going to work out for about, everybody. But it's also about no, their- that's true because what worked out for. Amari Stoudemire didn't work out for D'Angelo Collins, who was sharing his story on the Real Life MTV about how he thought he was as good as Amari. He entered the draft at a high school, was undrafted, and we never heard from him again because he only played overseas. There's gonna still happen because the sheer numbers are only gonna allow a small percentage yeah. of people, a very small percentage of people, to get into the NBA. But the point is, could you make a living without using the NCAA at all? Could you just go straight to high school well, and go overseas and just well, make a fair, lot of fair. money out there? You could, but
1: only a a select few. You know, how many kids is that Australian team willing to pay? Can't be more than five or ten any given year.
3: They're They're paying Josh Boone, so I hope they're willing to pay some other kids. But Josh Boone played for
1: years under a a Hall of Fame coach and became a good player. Right, so his value is different.
3: I know, but let me say something about my childhood real quick. There was a point in my life where I thought Josh Boone was the worst basketball player I ever seen. So what I was like, I was like twelve years old. Look, we have all a had South,
1: a, f- he's a South Kent guy. We so he we've was good enough to be a prep. He was good enough to go to one of those top prep schools in high school. We've so he,
3: we've he, all he, had a f- no. Nah, we've all no no. I, like I know that now, but I'm saying like we've all had a few of those guys as a kid. I'm sure you guys had them as well. Where you're like you watch somebody play and you're like, yo, this motherfucker sucks. Like this is the worst basketball Yo, player I've ever I saw, seen.
0: I saw Andrew Bynum play in high school, and I was like, "This dude is terrible." I was like, "He's going <laughs> to the NBA draft. He is awful." I'm I like, have, "How is he not dominating
3: these kids?" And I have won, three. I haven't. have three. I have three other than Josh Boone. It was. It was. They're all centers, coincidentally. Because um, you
2: love the small guy.
3: What a true. shock! No, be, no, because. <laughs> If you're, you could be a bad, you could be a, a, not a bad, but you could be a subpar center and make it to the NBA. If you're just big, you know what I mean? If you're just big and know how to stand yeah. in a yeah. place, yeah. if you're, if you're a guard, you have to be nice. You have to be world-class to get to the NBA. If you're a guard, you know what I mean? Yeah, so,
2: go go ahead. Who are these three guys?
3: Jerome James. Oh. <laughs> Jackie Butler. <laughs> oh God. And. The, my, lead, my, I hated this dude another person you know, for no played reason. for the Knicks no he almost did because they could have drafted him thankfully they didn't Byron Mullins Jesus uh, Christ <laughs> oh my <laughs> god I remember. Nothing, nothing against I remember. any of those I think Josh, now, Josh I was Boone young. was
2: definitely better than all them dudes and I, I watched a lot of Josh Boone oh. up close and personal um, in his days of battling Pitt I didn't like him but he gave us problems
3: Christ. Travis Knight might be another one too god, good god <laughs>
2: The Sports Walk is back. Watch Season 3 of Backpack Broadcasting's original web series that brings you the opinions of real sports fans. The first two seasons and current season are available now for viewing on the Sports Walk YouTube channel and Facebook page. Check out the 2017 NYC Webfest official selection and see what other sports fans have to say on the hottest issues in sports today. It's easy. Just take the Sports Walk. Guys, one of the things I thought I thought Dan Wetzel, which was a good get for this piece, and I thought he yeah. had a lot of great things to say that echoes a lot of what we're saying. I thought I think it was his final comments in the documentary where he talked about how ridiculous it is as a society. We some some people will criticize the paying of players, which we all agree the players should be paid. However, he made a, his analogy was, "Hey, if Google or Amazon wanted some kid." Uh, that they thought was talented in high school, and they said, hey, we're going to pay you $20,000 to come out of Silicon Valley for the summer and work for us, nobody would say that's ridiculous. But, But there is a segment of people that say this is ridiculous here, and I completely agree with them. I've been making that point for a long time that that's ridiculous. But the question I guess I have to everybody here is, our minds are very different but is the minds of the american public in looking at this is it changing are we seeing a shift are people going to look at this as a scheme the sham are we seeing a shift here or not
3: no because there are a lot of people who even with this stimulus package are concerned about big businesses and not about the people so there are just going to be people in america who are concerned about trying to keep other people down in that way and especially in college athletics where a majority of the athletes are black and brown really black um you're looking at a lot of people who just want to support the business and the NCAA, and not really care about you know whether or not these players are getting played, whether or not they're being treated fairly. It's the same thing that we see in America all the time. Look at again, that stimulus, baby. They want, they want, <laughs> they want the billions to go to to go to the big companies, and they don't really care if families are getting twelve hundred or thirty-six hundred or whatever it is.
0: It is. It is again. This is emblematic of who we are as a society. If you look at who is in favor of paying players and who is not, it falls directly along racial lines. Majority of black people cool with players getting paid. Majority of white people not cool with players getting paid. And again, this goes back to how we look at things in this country, right? There is this idea that if you don't have money and you are poor, it is somehow a reflection of your character. It is your fault. You are bad with money. You are uh, wasteful. You're all these terrible things, right? And then, and we, and because of that, you shouldn't have any opportunities or chances. That is how this political system and the way this country has brainwashed its citizenry to think about our most vulnerable people. And that's how people think about people. As if anyone wakes up and decides, "I want to be poor today." Who the hell thinks of that? Nobody wants that. But that's how people think, right? It's, and again, it's.
1: it's just, yeah, no, it's a, and it's also, you know, we all we always talk about crabs in a bucket, and and we mm-hmm. we talk about minorities specifically, but it, it goes across racial lines. So, you know, majority of white people in this country are poor, so they're looking right. at a black person who could possibly possibly make money, and they're not trying to hear that. You know, they're trying to, they're like, why should why should this black person make it, and I I'm not making it here. You know, I do I do think that things are changing, you know, just just by almost osmosis or whatever, because, you know, because, um, you know, it's happening, you know, so people are becoming desensitized to it. Like we we talked about off camera in terms of, you know, you know, now there's more players, uh, you know, back in the day, less players uh, were coming out. You couldn't even come out of, of high school. Like, you know, what was it? 20 years ago. Now yeah. you can So people, so people are desensitized to it. I do see even more and more people like, Hey, you know, yeah, he has to come out. It's you know, he had a great freshman year. Like, no, even the most racist, poor, white person in Middle America is not going to be mad at Zion Williamson coming out of school last year. Like, even they got that. You know what I'm saying? Like, like, all right, fine. You know, like, even even Duke fan. I don't think there was one Duke fan that was like, no, he's got to come back. Oh, he's a jerk. How can he leave us? You know what I'm saying? I I, I I don't. I don't think that exists. So, and I, you know, so, but, but to someone else, they are like that. So I think it is changing a little bit, not fast enough. Um, but the Definitely more and more people enough. do what they have to do, they don't have, there's no, there's no choice, but for people to change.
0: Well, I, I, I will say this and Murph, you, you know her. I, I spoke to Victoria Jackson about this from Arizona state mm. and Andy Schwartz, who's an NCAA economist. And look, the NCAA is really good at dragging its feet on any kind of change, right? So everybody got all excited when the pay-to-play adoption and different lo- uh, laws were being signed by these states. NCAA ain't do a mumbling thing about that. Right. they out here like, okay, we formed a special committee to look into it. Members, you don't need a special committee to look into it. You've been knowing about this for the last hundred years. There's no committee you need to research how this is going to work, right? And they're going to give you all the excuses. Well, if we pay the basketball players, we got to pay the water polo and tennis players. No, you don't, my friend. <sighs> no, you it don't. It works the same way every other economic system works. If your business generates a profit, that's how that's how income's received. Look at every single sport as a business unit. Oh, you win the black? Cool. Figure out how you gonna pay your people. You in the red, Shit, I-, I got nothing for you. We're not bailing you out here, right? If you cannot germ- generate a profit with your sport, your players don't get paid. Period. End of story.
1: Right. And, the NCAA, and so, they, the NCAA is not trying to change. We know that, right? They that they, they're trying to you know keep making this money off of you know minorities' backs. Like that. That's what. That's entirely what they're trying to do. You're right. They came. They came up with this fraudulent uh, committee. That yeah, working that didn't, committee. That, that really didn't address any, any of the issues. It, it didn't even, you know, just the makeup of the committee was a joke. You know, you didn't have any ex players on there who really went through it, who could really, you know, you know, tell you how it really is in terms of what kind of market they might have. So we know the NCAA is not going to do this on their own. It's going to be pressure from, from other people. And, and we talk about, you know, now we're in this, you know, coronavirus has, has, has stopped everything. The NCAA is using, already using this as an excuse. Oh, yeah. Not yep. to do anything next year. Oh, mm. you know, mm. yep, we I guess we can't do <laughs> next year. You know, all this stuff happened. You know, we're, mm. we're, I'm in my house. I can't do the work from my house to, to get paid. <laughs> and, and,
0: and, and I'm sure you, you, I'm sure you guys all, all know this, but again, you know, you, you look at the, the NCAA uses the word amateurism, and all the great people have talked about this who know about the history of college. Yes, college, like Victoria Jackson, Andy Schwartz, like I have mentioned. Um, Taylor Branch wrote excellent pieces on the NCAA and its and its cartel, right? Because <laughs> that's essentially what they are. Word. It is a non for profit entity that rakes in billions of dollars, meaning they pay zero taxes on that money, yeah. which they then farm out to their member institution schools, who are also non non-for- non for profit entities, who just take in Wait. hundreds of millions and just. Woo! Which Dawkins pointed out in, in the piece. Yes. Uh, every university, because they're nonprofit, they can't show money on their balance sheet at the end of their fiscal or however they do their money. So, what are they going to do with that money? Spend it. Guess who ain't getting it? Players. Nice. Players. And how many new libraries are you going to build? And it ain't that. It ain't that many. A lot of what these,
2: school, a lot of, and see, a lot of what these schools will do, especially the big time schools. And for uh, for those of us who know, who've been to some of these campuses, they will try to show it and say, "Oh, we're putting the money back into the athletic program. We've built this new uh locker room. We've built this new training facility." And they will selling that, but what I have learned with a lot of those things that people should be aware of is a lot of these schools. You know what? They, you know how they're actually doing it? They're getting donations from former players who will come back and give them the money. So it's not actually the money that they're generating through the TV deals and all that stuff. And that is the big sham and all that. That still, it's like players are still giving back to the system. And I kind of want to tell these players, like, yo, man, nah, don't, don't, don't do and, that.
1: And those facilities are just recruiting tools. They're yes. not helping. Any of the players who did the work for you, or players that are there now, that's for the future and players to be bamboozled. To, to bamboozled there. is
2: a great word there, Jamal, because that is exactly way.
1: it. And by the way, and I don't, I
0: don't blame them because they're young and they don't know. But these these athletes, they are part of the bamboozling process unknowingly, right? What do we see on Instagram and on our Twitter feeds
3: every? I was going to mention right? this,
0: right? Brand new. Uh, athletic complex opened up. They go to their lockers. They got the new Nike backpack with the new Jays in it. Yo, look what I got. It's so yeah. so fresh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, listen, I'm not hating. Get your new fresh J's. Get your new fresh warm up and all your cool stuff. But my man, them Jays going to pay for your dinner when you're hungry three months from
3: now? Like all and these what, things. And what you're doing is you're marketing the school, basically. That's you're marketing school. the school's athletic yeah. school. program. You're marketing. You're, do, you're doing exactly what they want because it's and a bunch of people... You
0: Telling you see don't you want to be like that look
1: how much fun they are having it's the,
3: like oh, yo you 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 got you get a bunch of people in a room you're like all right how are we gonna how are we gonna how are we gonna keep how are we gonna keep the black kids coming to our program also, right it's, and it's then they're gonna all story. right here's what we're gonna do we're gonna we're gonna put a slip and slide in our locker room and then we're gonna fucking post put an instagram video 15 seconds of everybody just enjoying that shit whoop 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 one by one put that shit out boom marketing and, and how many more show. kids how many kids are gonna tell their mom like yo son I want to go on that Slipper style, yo. I want to play at Alabama. I never say that. I want to go to LSU, and
1: it's also the shoe companies doing the exact same thing. <laughs> oh, 100%. You know the, you know, yep. the exact same yep. thing. Going down even before college, obviously AAU programs. Grassroots. You know, so yep. it's not it's not just the universities. The, the Nike plays a part. Under Armour, Adidas, all of them are playing a huge part in it. No, no, yeah. great. Hey,
2: Jamal. I'm glad you. I'm glad you brought that up because. I had watched that for years covering high school basketball. Brian did the same. I've literally seen it. There is so much money that goes into these AAU programs from these these sneaker companies. They are everywhere. I mean, people who who aren't in and around that world, you might not understand. But when I say they are everywhere, they are everywhere. And you get to know these players and you get to see how it works and how the money is funneled down to the high school level to just even a competition like in New York City just trying to keep kids. Go ahead.
1: And it's also think, think about it in terms of what it does to a kid because we also talk about we when they're in college or in the pros we 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 wonder why these players aren't more act you know proactive and you know why why aren't they questioning the system because they've been they were bought they, already they, they were yeah they've been bred not to not to ask questions you know since they were 10 9 10 years old they were getting free sneakers like you said and hype over it oh I got I got Jays oh you know how you keep those Jays You shut up you know what I'm saying saying a, Word. go to the team that gives you gives you those and then shut the hell up and you learn that at age 10. So at when you're 18 but and, what, and, what, and, what, and what, I just want, want to add
2: I want to add something to that that a lot of this that happens because it's something that Gerard touched upon before is these are happening in many lower income communities where there are a lot of black and brown folks in there. And so think about it if you're from those communities I've seen this in Coney Island in Brooklyn. I've seen it in tons of other places across New York City and, and communities I've covered. These kids, if you're 10 years old, 11 years old, like Jamal is saying, and you're, you're getting a free backpack and some kicks and some gear shit. to go play this game and your mama's working two jobs, yo, you ain't gonna say shit at all either because you know and, what? you like, yo, I'm getting these kicks.
3: And on top of that, you're at a high school where they're traveling to Miami or they're traveling to California for right. these holiday tournaments mid-season. You're like a college team now. Like, yo, I remember being in at, at an event, I'm not going to be too specific about it because I actually do like the school and I could, you know,
1: use exactly. that relationship
3: a little bit. <laughs> but there be was smart. one school, there was one school, this coach pulled out stacks of money. So, I've never seen this much I, at a high school before. I've seen pulled it. Pulled out Bro, stacks of money. I don't even know what it was for. He was just counting to make I'm sure, like, it, all the funds were good. I'm like, dog, I'm going to tell Christian you who it is off, off mic.
0: Yeah. Tie it back to Christian Dawkins. I mean, what did he say? He read the book Soul Influence. Soul Influence tells you how this whole game is played. That was his inspiration. He said, wait a minute. This is a multi-billion dollar industry. I don't want the whole thing. I just want my little slice of the pie. That's all. Mm-hmm. Yes, by the way, that is the American way, is it not? Yeah. For,
2: for, this- for, some, people, because, for some people.
1: Because they, look they, look they ain't gonna let know.
2: everybody get a seat at the table or a slice <laughs> of that pie as we And know. they'll
1: change and they'll change the rules on you quick. Yep. Like, they've been doing <laughs> yep. that forever. On the court and off the court. Off the court. Yo, you trying to get a seat at this table? You're trying to get a slice
2: of this pie? Nah, nah, nah. Not so fast. And I mean, that's kind of the tragedy. I know Brian talked about it being the Christian Dawkins story, and to some degree it was. But that is the kind of tragedy for Christian Dawkins in this situation, right? That, Gerard, you bring up the fact that this is what he wanted. He saw how he could play the game. He was kind of playing within the rules of the game that was already out there and created. And still, he's been vilified for this.
1: And And to some degree, he's a convicted felon. felon. Yes, yes. You want to talk about? You want to talk about the? You know, Ryan had an issue with how it ended, and him talking about his record deal. It was (laughs) funny that he mentioned this is the only thing I could do. I'm a convicted felon, so I'm trying to think (laughs) what I could do as a convicted felon.
3: Oh, I could be. I could go into music. Yeah. Yeah. Well, because his options are limited. which, Which, by the way, look is a smart thing to do because that's one of the few. I mean. There are some other things you could do, but you probably shouldn't. Yeah, and I'll just keep right. that there. But in, ter- <laughs> but in terms of, of how Christian Dawkins handled his business, because again, my issue is not with him; it's more so how the documentary is presented. But in terms of how he handled his business, I felt like he did everything. I wouldn't say by the book, but by the unofficial book that, right. like, if you're yeah. trying to become, if you're trying to become an agent, and you're trying to go about your business in that way. He made all the right moves and did all the right steps. He was just better at it than some other people. And to so brought, also, he should have trusted his
1: instincts more because he, yeah, he, you know, he, he said a couple of times like he was thinking to himself like this this is dude is weird. What's he doing? He's, just trying, he's trying to set oh, me up. Oh, the the he Italian should, dude yeah, from
3: he should have uh,
0: yeah, li- listened but Mur, to himself. It's hard to turn away that cash, man. When that cash was right in front of you, like and and
3: to and to defend Christian Dawkins too. At the time, he's 24, 25 years old. You haven't been I've around been that, that. I think by twenty two. Yeah, you I'm haven't been around that. that. Yeah, you haven't been around that long, so you don't really know who you're. Ch- I mean, shit, I'm 26 now, and there are still times where it's like, yo, this dude's a little funky. Like, I don't really know. And, you know what the case?
1: And he wasn't the only one. The FBI agents themselves got in trouble for taking the money. Yo, yes, okay, yes, yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, but they, but yeah, then we're mad, we're mad at Kristen Dawkins when the when the agents running the investigation took the are, money are now. You know, there was an misappropriating from funds yeah. appropriating funds out in Vegas, taking taking those some of those stacks. Right.
2: <laughs> and, and, but but the FBI was real quiet about that. We don't hear anything about that. I think what I'm tired is the FBI it, it is disappointing the FBI didn't speak. And I know we also didn't mention it was Sarah McDonald who also wrote an article for Undefeated about how, you know, to Brian's point, this kind of felt like very centered on Christian Dawkins. And I understand the point where she was coming from too and where what Brian is saying too, but when you don't have the FBI speak on this. When you don't have the NCAA, who, Jamal, you know this too, they don't ever speak on anything. I mean, I've watched numerous HBO Real Sports pieces where they, because they love shaming the NCAA, and I love them for that. Mm -hmm. They don't speak on it. They never say anything on it all the time. And, like, when is the time that the NCAA is going to be so shamed it's going to be like, damn, y'all got to speak? Never, never. never. Maybe, you know
3: what? Now that I'm thinking about it, maybe it would have helped to get more players' perspective because Fred Van Vliet was there and he literally had one quote. He had one quote because he's worked with Christian Dawkins before. But I would think that if you're trying to flame the NCAA, which evidently you are, there are a lot of players, DeMarcus Cousins and a whole bunch of others, Draymond Green, who have been... Very, very vocal about just disliking the NCAA, how they go about their business, and players who have probably had experience with money, and the case may be, who might not care if certain banners and accomplishments get revoked from them anyway because it's always going to be there. Unfortunately, that Louisville team had a national title stripped from them, but you mean to well, tell me yeah, but if I go up to Montres Harrow and Terry Rozier and Russ Smith and guys who were on that team, Peyton Siva, and be like, "Yo, do you n- do you not feel like a champion?" They're gonna look at me like I'm stupid. You know right. what I mean? So, not, at not the just, end of the day, just, we know who wins,
1: and not just players. Uh, other Black assistant coaches who are still in the game. Yep, I, I noticed a lot of a lot of them on Twitter. Guys, we've heard of you know ex players mm. who are now assistant coaches. They you know they spoke out on Twitter you know in support of Dawkins. And I think it gets to the point where they have to um, understand the leverage they have. Oh, you want you want me uh, to do this recruiting to bring this kid in? I want to be more than just a recruiter. I want yeah. you, you know uh, you need to move me up the ladder in terms of assistant coaches. I need to be your know offensive assistant, assistant coach, yeah, or your, def- yeah. your defensive mm-hmm. assistant. You know, understand the leverage you have. If you are the person responsible for bringing uh, you know superstar type caliber players into you know into into a program. You need to use that leverage yourself and make sure you're not going to be just some sort of scapegoat. I need to be doing this, you know, for, for a reason professionally, and I need to see it right away.
3: Can no, I point I, this I out because I, I I found this hilarious too. Now now that we're also talking about players, did you just guys see the amount of players who were tweeting out on behalf of the documentary hashtag HBO partner hashtag the scheme HBO? I'm like, yo, they actually put some they they definitely paid some people to try to get this out there. Like it was a funny ass Van uh, Lathan I, and Fred I, I Joseph had it. like had like a watch party online. Tobias Harris, Karen Civil. Bria Hartley, Count on Vic, Isaiah Thomas. I was like, this is such an interesting selection group of people that HBO uh, went after that I just found you funny.
0: You know, it's um, it is interesting this whole NCAA thing. We talked about will they ever get shamed, and Merv I, you and I just said never, and it's because the infrastructure that has been created is so solid. Everyone is brainwashed into this amateurism thing, right? When you hear and you ask the average person why don't they play college players, because they're amateurs, and you and we all know ain't nothing amateur about what they're doing. All nothing right. is amateur about it. Everything from what majors they can take, when they go to class, etc., is dictated by the sport in which they play. Has zero to do with amateurism, right? But the machine has been created. They pump out their their propaganda every every March. A million of our athletes go something pro and other something other than sports and all that BS that they do, and they have their plants in the media, who love to come out with their stories about the NCAA. We know who they are. I ain't gonna mention their names, right? That's just it's just what it is, right? Yeah, this, and so w- once you have that, it ain't never changing.
1: Yeah, there's nothing amateur about playing any sport, you know, in front of a hundred thousand fans, eighty thousand right. fans, twenty thousand fans, amateur. whatever it is. So you know, we need to get that. That word out of out of there. It, just, it makes no sense. It you're not it, you're not it, an amateur. Like I said, I'm I'm watching 1982 championship game. This been going on forever. Mm-hmm. I've watched 1982 championship game. There's a, there's sixty thousand people in the stands watching that. You know they're playing in the Superdome in in they're filling the Superdome in the early '80s. You know you can go back even further. You know what I'm saying. So the amateur, like let's. I mean I don't know what we have to do. I do think I do think people are becoming desensitized to it. More people understand that even if even if they're haters at heart or they're racist <laughs> at heart or they don't want people to to be able to reach their full potential fine, but they they do see what's going on. There's a, nobody in their right mind could really think that this is amateur stuff.
0: Murph, what what I appreciate about you, man, you have such a such a wonderful perspective on your fellow human. You give them so much more credit than I do cuz I give them none. Literally.
2: Zero. <laughs> <laughs> no, for the fact, Brian, you got any final thoughts you wanna you, you have on on this? I mean, I, I'm kinda leaning towards never with, with Murph and, and Jamal on this. I'm a little pessimistic about things with NCAA. Any final thoughts from you?
3: I think once a lot of the people who subscribe to that level of thinking die, you'll start to see some change.
2: <laughs> I mean that's not that's not because, that's not because, crazy.
3: Because the thing is I'm looking at like your generation, my generation, there's a different there's generally a different way of thinking. Right. And a lot of the people who think the way they do, there are some younger people like you're going to have a Tommy Lauren and a Candace Owens, et cetera, et cetera. But the majority of those people who think a certain way are older and are kind of dying off, you know, like how Dan Lebitar jokes that the average baseball fan, the median age is death. Because the average baseball (laughs) fan is basically like 56 years old. So, yeah. So you look at you look at you look at people who subscribe to that, that way of thinking. And a lot of those people are going to die off, whereas a lot of people generally growing up are a little bit more progressive now. So I do think that in due time, yes, things are going to generally change politics, how we feel about the NCAA. I think that stuff is going to shift. But it's pr- I don't know I don't know what's the timeline. Is it twenty years? You know what I mean? Like I don't know I don't know what that looks like. But in due time, things just generally change. I I I'd,
2: so. I'd, I'd agree with that and I think it's important why, you know, as as Murph said at the beginning of this, I think it's important that you have, you know, pieces like this. I think it's important when you have stories that like Murph wrote, um, or, you know, Gerard covering it and being able to speak with directors and having all that and us just talking about it in the podcast. Yeah. I think be- that stuff's be- definitely important.
3: Because just even just think about like Because in order, like, let me look at this optimistically. Think about societally what has happened since the Fab Five threw their warm ups down and came out with blank T-shirts and wore black socks. Like, a lot has been a lot of progress. A lot of progress has been made, and we're talking about a window that's little under thirty years. Right. So, what are the next thirty years going to look like? Or rather, since things are moving so rapidly now, what are the next fifteen years going to look like? You know what I mean? In in a post Donald Trump as president America, Can't wait. How, are, how are things going to look like? And I feel like that's important because when you look at how things are and how business is moving, I mean, if you look at the dude who has the president's seat right now, there are a lot of things that have been done to sort of reflect that. And a lot of decisions have been made to sort of reflect that. Now, once you get him out and things are different, we, th- we think we and we hope at least, but things are a little bit different, at least in terms of how things look, and how things act, then you know we'll see. We'll start to see what happens after that.
1: Well, let me just say one thing. Uh, with Christian Dawkins, one thing he mentioned too that was really, you know, he just it was like a one-off, but he, he mentioned football and he said, you know, imagine what football, what these football guys are making, because we all know Fun. that football is America's sport. We yeah, know, we don't really we hear know. about football right. money changing why, hands why like that. Why is that? Because you know, if it's happening in basketball, it's probably uh, happening ten times as 10 much times times football. as football. Well. Yeah, yeah, we don't, we don't hear players. about, we don't hear about that. Is, do they have more protection? Mm. I think the, boost, have, the boosters, dude, have football, the boosters in football, the
2: boosters in football, they, I think yeah, are, they are, they are have way senators, more, more insulated. They're way more insulated in those communities. Like, so if you go to Alabama or you go to. Um, you know, Bat- LSU, LSU right? Those yeah. boosters, yo, them boosters are around at all the time, mm. and 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 if you've been to any of those places, you can see, it, especially in the South and the SEC,
3: different um, world,
2: yeah. different I mean, like, world. You,
0: you read about it. The governor of these states are like, yeah, no, nah, we ain't messing with that, like yeah. that, that. So, yeah. it's, listen, man, <laughs> it is entrenched. The one thing we do know, right? Change does soon come, but it comes slow.
2: Yeah. Changes? Yeah, like,
3: yeah, like, you want, you wanted to get here fast, but it's like, I mean, but
2: It's never I, been that. To,
3: to me, to me, there's just no benefit in looking things at a pessimistic way when usually it isn't that bad, so. Well,
2: well look, happened. change, you're right, Gerard, change is slow, it always has, uh, always has been, always will be, but, you know, we got to keep fighting a good fight, talk about these things and shaming these idiots. Absolutely. That's, that's what we got to do. All right, that is it for episode 119 of the A Hard Tell podcast. We want to thank our guest, uh, Jamal Murphy uh also known as a black catalogist. You can check out his article uh on the undefeated. You can check him out on the bros pod and all the great writing he does for the undefeated. Our other guest, Gerard Hector, you can also check him out. Seven Foot is Pod, our good friends from there. And uh righty's got some stuff coming out on this on the scheme. It'll be that'll be on BT, right Gerard?
0: Well, that's gonna be on BET, and then I got some podcast interviews coming out on Seven Footers, kind of expanding a little bit. So, okay. that'll be good, man.
2: There we go. So, a lot, a lot of good stuff, more good content coming out. We'll have more stuff with these guys too. So that's it uh, for the for our two guests, for Brian Fonseca, who still isn't too angry and isn't promoting prostitution on campuses <laughs> everywhere.
3: <laughs> well, not now. Social distancing, not so, now.
2: Okay, good to know he's being responsible <laughs> in that regard. Until next time, y'all. Peace.
0: É isso.